Hey, yo, Nick, run it back. Welcome to Central Alabama Crime Stoppers Podcast. Crime Stoppers is a nonprofit organization serving the state of Alabama to bring together law enforcement, media, and the community in the fight to stop, solve, and prevent crime. Now, let's start the show. Hello, and welcome to the Central Alabama Crime Stoppers podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Bowerman, joined by... Tony Garrett, I'm the executive director of Central Alabama Crime Stoppers. Today we are discussing a Crenshaw County murder case that's gone cold now for five years. 78-year-old Earl Cosby was found shot to death inside his office in Rutledge, Alabama on County Road 35 on June 13th, 2016. Cosby Body Shop, if I'm not mistaken, and Mayor Rutledge actually called us and asked us uh, crime stoppers to intervene uh, to see if we can do something with the case. So we're just now getting started uh, reaching out to law enforcement, seeing if they can send us a copy of the case so we can put it out to the public. We're starting with a podcast and we're gonna interview Brent Cosby, the son that actually found his father. And we're gonna try to interview the uh, mayor of Rutledge, which is right in Crenshaw County. This case is unsolved, no information to my understanding has no one has come forward to say that I witnessed something or I saw him last speaking with. It could be a little information that may break this case wide open. Five years without any answers for this family, I can't imagine. Uh, like you said today, we, we are reaching out to both the mayor of Rutledge and the son of Earl Cosby, Brent Cosby, who, like you said, found his father's body inside his auto shop that day. Let's go ahead and give him a call. Okay, let's see if he's in Yes, sir. Hey, Mr. Cosby, are you ready where well, you can talk? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, I'm joined with uh, Ashley Bowerman. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Oh, no, I'm, I think I'm the privileged one. Well, start by telling us a little bit, how have the past five years been without any answers as to who is responsible for your father's murder? Well, uh, I tell everybody, I said, God's grace is sufficient. That's what carries our family through these tragic times that we endure. But the old flesh wants to know what happened. Who did this? Why did they do it? Uh, is there going to be any resolution to it? These questions ring daily with my family. So it's kind of uh, inescapable for the most part. I know, without, um, without making your father statistic, tell us more about your father. What did he mean to the family and whoever this person is? What did they take away from you when they took your father away? Well, my dad was born in 1938, so he got to see a lot in his lifetime. He came on the end of the Great Depression, so he taught us to appreciate everything and value in everything. Uh, from a small kid growing up, he spent time in the military, and then he became a self-employed. He worked on cars, painted cars. He did a multitude of things. He was one of those guys that could do just about anything from electrical to construction to you kind of fill in the blank. He was there, fortunately, to see me graduate high school and college. He got to see my brother graduate high school and do all the honors and different programs that he was involved in throughout school. We had 78 years of age with no medical problems whatsoever. He was ripped from this life for a, an unsure reason. That's those life lessons that we can't get back. We can't continue those life lessons because he was, he was one of those gentlemen that when he spoke, he had a lot to say all the time for anybody that knew him. But when he spoke, he also spoke the truth. He raised me, and I've raised my children, raising my grandson the exact same way. 
letting them know that honesty is first and foremost. You can't trust a lie. So be forthright with everyone. Brent, talk about how this has impacted not only your family, but the entire town. Personally, we still have good days and we have uh, bad days and I call it better days. Fortunately, I do a lot of public speaking with my job and I have been able to reach a lot of people. And I, I, when I say that, I mean, I've been able to witness to a lot of people how to overcome tragedy. As a counselor, I've lived trauma. Uh, I've experienced trauma personally. And these are things that I've treated over the last 25 years of my career. And I became the recipient of such treatment. It's opened a whole new door. However, fear is not part of what's entered the family's door. We, we do not fear other people. We do not fear other situations. None of the sort. I said, we banded together in a strength, and we've decided to take the best of my dad's memory and hold on to that. Sometimes people get stuck in tragic situations. But like I said, occasionally um, we kind of have that moment. I have those emotional moments. My children go through the emotional moments of uh, when they pass through by where he lived or during holiday vacations or times that we would all normally be together. They have that remorseful tone and not remorseful, but they have an emotional tone. Like we still don't know. I've continued to sell used cars in order to keep his memory alive. So on the back of each one of my uh, business cards, it says in memory of Earl Cosby. It doesn't matter to me if I make money off these cars or not. It's just the passion that my father had. I wanted to continue that. I'm glad you said all the things that you said, because as you know, or we get to talk or speak with a lot of families that's going through a similar situation. Having you speak to for us uh, what type of things that your family is doing to cope uh, means a lot. Uh, and you never know who it means a lot to. One of the things I want to mention that uh, Crime Stoppers, we're offering a $5,000 reward for any information that leads to an arrest. From the day that they pl- uh, place handcuffs on a person, we're paying $5,000 after they said this person is being charged with murder for your father's death. What other rewards are out there that you know of? Well, I know the governor's office had given a reward, and, uh, and we personally put up 5000 and, and as a family, we have other people throughout our community and our neighbors that said they would give more money. And I, and I explained to them in the beginning, I said, let's hold off on that and because I don't want to be responsible for $30,000 of people's hard-earned money at that moment. I said, how about when we find get an arrest, how about let's put that money forward then? And we've had several people that have committed to $1,000 each, $500, $2,000. Uh, like I said, I didn't want to be responsible for everybody else's money to be put into an account somewhere. So if I could find someone that can manage that, then absolutely we would do that. Mayor Steve Phillips has been a phenomenal He's been a phenomenal man throughout this entire struggle that our family has faced. He's had to deal with me on moments of screaming and yelling and being angry at the world to tearful and anxious to um, just questioning why. He's seen me on the other side where we're brainstorming and, and passing information back and forth to each other. I can't thank Mayor Steve enough. He's checked in on me or my family at least once a week since all this happened, and this has been over five years ago. As a matter of fact, I spoke with him today, and I can't thank him enough and the support that small community has given to my mother in particular. And speaking of support from the community, one question we, we were wanting to ask you as well was, um, and correct us if we're wrong, we, we know this case has had, we believe, three different sheriffs leading the investigation. What are your thoughts on that? Number one, when I do therapy, I'm a realist. I'm a reality therapist, so I believe in the reality of things. 
Crenshaw County does not need a homicide investigator because there are very few homicides in that county in the course of a decade. I don't think that the first administration was as prepared as necessary in order to have accomplished the task of doing probably the things that were needed to kind of get a quick start on solving this case. So like I've told Sheriff Mears, who is currently in office, I said, this is definitely not your battle because it didn't start during your term, but it is your fight. And I expect you to fight through this. I expect you to investigate. I expect you to find, talk to everybody that comes through that jail. I expect you to pull people off the street. I expect you to interview people that my mom and I and others have called you about. I have those high expectations, but he's four officers short. So in reality, I know that in order to maintain a county of that size with so few deputies, he spread about as thin as some peanut butter on my sandwiches as a kid. and We were just dead broke. As a realist, I know that he probably wants to apply more to my father's case and even the, uh, the Delangey Harris case mm -hmm. in particular. And I think he will. I spoke to uh, Sheriff Mears just a couple of days ago. We had a nice conversation about a couple of potential leads that he had. And I'm not involved in the investigation by any means and told him not to tell me anything that, that I don't need to know. But it is encouraging, to say the least, that there's at least a forward movement in this case. And we are very fortunate to have spoken with ABI uh, back in February. And they have uh, two special agents that are uh, assisting on the case. We have more eyes on it now than we've probably had since the beginning uh, when this started over five years ago. And that's exactly what I wanted to hear. A lot of families, they go through the blame game, focusing out on anything that they can complain about or can get mad about. Because, And I'm glad to hear that your family is in a position where they can go in and actually support law enforcement and ask the question for us, what type of things do you need to help in this investigation? What can we do as a family, as a community, to come forth and give you the support that you need in order to keep us safe, in order to keep the bad guys off the street? So I applaud you. I applaud you and your family. Uh, Mr. Cosby, is there anything else that you want to say on behalf of uh, your father and your family? Well, I would like to say that uh, as a clinician, I treat cases uh, that have gone through loss, extreme loss. In the private practice that I own in Andalusia, Alabama with my wife, we see people who have had multiple tragedies throughout their life, including death of their spouse, death of caregivers, death due to violence, like in the case of my father. We want to make sure we reach out, we extend our hands to those people because I understand it. I can, I can provide the most empathy with it. My wife can provide empathy through that. We understand the gamut of what it takes to get people back on their feet. Like you said, the blame game, people do play that a lot. I have been angry. I've, I've shaken my fist at a lot of people. I've shaken my fist at God. My God's a big God, and he can take it. Mm -hmm. And he put me back in line real quick. And he said, Rand, I didn't cause this, but I will help you finish this. My counseling practice is willing to open up and help people that are going through tragedies like this, whether it be close by or whether it be far away. If we can be assistance over the phone to families. I had a calling. Um, it's been about a year ago. God's trying to pull me into working with families who have been victims of uh, criminal offenses, such as my own. I've been fighting with that, too. I'm learning to embrace the things that I'm being called for. If there's somebody that needs assistance out there, they need someone to talk to. They need guidance on the direction in which they should go. I wish they would please give me a call. My number is real simple. It's 334-798-0076. We would definitely use you as a, a resource for Central Alabama Crime Stoppers in the future. Again, thank you for your time. Hopefully you'll be, uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Well, Tony, I really appreciate that. It's been uh, my pleasure to be able to speak with you today. 
and to be able to get a little bit of a story out, just helping people to remember who my father is, but mainly so people don't forget what tragedy looks like. There's still someone in Crenshaw County that's walking around that has done this, and they need to be apprehended and brought to justice. And I thank you for offering this as an opportunity in order for my family to reach this goal that we have. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. We look forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. That was really amazing as far as the, what the family is doing on their end in, in order to cope. I'm glad to hear it because a lot of times we don't get that from a family that's saying that uh, we are coping with the situation that we have found um, through faith or counseling. We are coping and we are getting assistance in that manner. Absolutely. It sounds like he himself is a counselor. And so he actually has taken his his grief and kind of used it to help other families in similar situations that have experienced loss. I can't even imagine after five years with no answers what they're going through. He mentioned the mayor of Rutledge, uh, Stephen Phillips. So let's give him a call and see if he's... Uh... Okay, yeah, he said he talks to him frequently about this, so... How you doing, man? I'm doing well, Mayor Phillips. Are you readily available to speak to us? I most certainly am. Go right ahead. We just got to speaking with Brent Cosby. <laughs> learning about the case of his father uh, that was found in June 2016. And we were talking about uh, the way that he was coping, his family was coping with the situation. But we brought up an interesting uh, question to him. And we, by you being a public official, being an elected official, we want to get a little insight from you, having the support of the community when it comes to law enforcement. Because uh, we've had three sheriffs to be elected since this uh, particular uh, murder occurred. Uh, can you nice give some that. insight as far as the way a case like this is handled and the way the community can come up to support law enforcement when they have that transition? The, the sheriff, it was the sheriff, when it when the murder happened was Mickey Powell. Since then, we've had another election and, he, and uh, he got unelected and we got Terry Mears. I cannot begin to tell you how many investigators have worked on, that supposedly worked on this case. And the fact that, you know, we had, you know, different shares and, you know, the first thing they do is clear house and get their own people in. Mm-hmm. That put the case behind to start with. It hasn't gotten any better. You know, the community, as far as the people in Rutledge and Crenshaw County as a whole, everybody wants to see it solved. How does you as a mayor and the community come together to make sure that the, the sheriff's department has the support that they need? We talk to them frequently. Look, let us know if we can help. These are the people you should be talking to. Question them. If you need help with money, you know, people, whatever, let us know. We'll go to the county commission and get it for you. What kind of progress is being made in Earl's case? In my opinion, very little. And let me explain what I mean. Okay, this, this murder happened in June of 2010. I was elected mayor in November of 16. The first thing that I did was I called Brent Cosby up to see where he knew that, you know, they were on his dad's case. As you'll hear often if you talk to people down here about Mr. Earl, Mr. Earl was a friend of mine. He lived right down the road from me. Just he was a good guy. It was mishandled from the beginning. And when I say that, it, I'm not throwing stones or nothing like that like that. Crenshaw County is a small community and Luverne and Rutledge is very small. So we don't expect the sheriff to have a skill set, you know, of murder investigator on his staff. I mean, there's really not much of a need for it, but you do have to be 
smart enough and motivated enough to contact someone who has that skill set. That didn't happen. I, I talked to the, the sheriff, Mickey Powell, who was the sheriff at the time, several times. He lied to me a few times, so I was pretty much done with him. Uh, we got a new sheriff, and, you know, he said, look, you know, I'm going to need time to, to get my feet wet to figure this out. Okay. Well, I gave him two and a half years, and he didn't do anything. I got an appointment for me and Brent to go see the director of the ABI, and he got us in with two investigators. We was up here about two or three hours. That was a Tuesday in February. Wednesday, they came down here. The next day, they came down and got the sheriff's file and made copies of it. Thursday, they were down here questioning people. That was more progress that had been done on the case in, you know, years. And I talked to the investigator, you know, every two or three weeks just to check in, and he, he suggested Crime Stopper. Hell, I never thought of it, but there really hasn't been any progress on the case. Myself and Brent Cosby have both given the sheriff names, you know, of people that because people talk around here. To my knowledge, there's only been two people questioned since the murder happened. I'm probably the only one that'll say it. But anyway, like, if you want to kill somebody in the state of Alabama, bring them to Crenshaw County, take them to the courthouse, shoot them on the courthouse steps, go home and eat supper, because it doesn't seem to be really important. At least that's the way the community's feeling. But part of the frustration is you can be in line at a grocery store, and the guy that killed him might be standing right in front of you. You don't know. I understand. How many murders have uh, Crenshaw County had in the last few years? <laughs> well, funny you should ask. All right. You know about Delaney Harris, and that was 2011, different sheriff altogether. Since 2016, 13 June 2016, Earl Cosby was murdered. 4th of July 2017, all right, just a little history. We had a guy named Nathaniel Tidwell. He left right after Earl Cosby's murder. Brent Cosby put out reward signs somewhere around June of the next year. 4th of July 2017. 2017, Nathan Tidwell came home. He came home the 3rd of July. He was found dead the 4th of July of an apparent overdose. He was a lifelong drug user, and I don't know how many of those that y'all are familiar with, but most of them are smart enough not to overdose. He put his laundry in the, in the washing machine, you know, overdosed. Come on, man. That was two. Now, we had one in the trailer park. Now, these are both in Rutledge. One in the trailer park in Rutledge. That's number three. That an apparent accident, supposedly, she fell and hit her head three or four times. Never got investigated. That's three. Four, and I want to say this is two years ago, and I might have my timing screwed up. Nicole Jordan was murdered by her husband. And as far as I know, in the past, no, there was another one. And I can't remember the name. But anyway, there was another one. Nicole Jordan's husband turned himself in. And the other one, for the life of me right now, I'm drawing a blank. He turned himself in, too. So two that were solved out of five, that I, six that I know of. Mayor Phillips, yeah. you talk a lot about all of these these homicides happening in and around the Rutledge area kind of sounds like the lack of investigation being done. What does that mean for families? I mean, you're, you're kind of openly saying that more needs to be done on the front of investigations, but what does that leave as far as for families, you, you coming forward and saying well, that? No, no closure. You know, they're walking around feeling like their loved one's not important. And like I said, the sheriff's office, I know I'm laying this all on the sheriff's office. Part of it is, don't get me wrong. But part of it is the fact the county doesn't really take public safety. I don't believe it's a priority. And I say that because you've got the deputies make 12 to 14 dollars an hour. You've got a county administrator over here that makes 35 dollars an hour. He sits in his office and strokes checks and all that stuff. County commissioners and, and give them 10 hours a month. They make 34 thousand dollars a year. Come on. The deputies don't make that and they work full time. Public safety is not really a priority. I mean, if they catch you red-handed, got you on video, okay, they might prosecute you. What do you think needs to change, um, and what do you think it's going to take to finally get um, finally get this case solved? 
if I had the answer to that, look, I, I have raised hell about this case. I do opinion pieces for a paper here. And I guess about six or eight months ago, I started my last paragraph is how many days since Elaine G. Harris's murder and how many days since Mr. Earl Cosby's murder and still no justice for the families. I keep it in the media as much as I can. I had somebody come and ask me about a month ago, I guess, or tell me, he said, you know, look, I was over, you know, where they read your article. He said, you know, a couple of guys said, I don't know why he keeps writing about that. That's been a long time ago. Hell, I don't care if it was 40 years ago. Earl Cosby's still dead. Delaney Harris is still dead. There's still no justice. It just, it's frustrating. I really wish I had a good answer for it. Ideally, what they would do would happen. The sheriff would go to the commission and say, look, I have found a retired investigator whose skill set was murder investigation. He's willing to work for, okay, $50 an hour, you know. I just need some money to help him do it. That would show the community, hey, you know, they're taking these seriously. Okay. So you've come up with solutions for us to at least address the issue as an elected mayor. Um, Yeah. (laughs) If you ask, like, the county commissioners, I don't know. Like I said, I'm um, I'm a retired senior chief from the Navy, 26 years. I don't see a lot of gray area. I do. It is or it ain't. You know, it's like being pregnant. You is or you ain't. Uh, either you're doing your damn job or you are. And if you're not doing the job, I'm going to say something about it. And that's what I do. Last question. Do you feel as though the change in leadership is the prime reason why this case has gone unsolved for as long as it has? Well, I don't think there is any leadership in the sheriff's office. There wasn't with the previous administration. I'm not saying that he can't be a leader. What I'm saying is he's he's reactive, not proactive. And that's not entirely his fault. He can't keep deputies because they won't pay him. I won't. Look, I won't get shot at for $12, $14 an hour. I wouldn't expect anybody else to. To your credit, you're not bashing the sheriff's department. You're saying they need more support. They need more funding. They need more support. You're absolutely correct. I catch a little bit of flack down here, you know, because it does seem like I'm bashing the sheriff's office, but I'm not. And, and I tell them, look, I'm not bashing them. I'm just telling you, this is what's going on. Something ain't right. And it needs to change. We <laughs> appreciate your time. Anything we can do as far as crime stoppers for you, we're here for you. All you have to do is ask. Uh, so hopefully someone will call in and maybe lead to someone being arrested for this crime. All right. Thank Bye-bye. you for your time. Okay, Ashley. Um, the son, Keith mentioned Brian Henry. Let's see if Brian Henry is available to do an interview because he was yeah. actually the initial reporter on the on scene. Case, he would know exactly what's, what's going on. Hello? Hey, Brian, we just got to you speaking with uh, Brent Cosby of the Earl Cosby murder down in Crenshaw. occurred in June of 2016. And as we were looking through the reports, you were the initial reporter back then. And we were calling you just to see if we can get some insight. This is a five-year case. We've had, uh, I've been saying three shares, but it's actually been two. Just want to get your perspective as far as um, how does a reporter handle a case like this when you have different sheriffs, sheriffs, different investigators, but the same family looking for answers? Well, uh, first of all, Tony, uh, I thank you for having me on the show. Uh, secondly, it's, tar- it's hard to believe it's been five years. Uh, I just recall very well that it was such a, uh, a shocking uh, situation at the time. A small town businessman who was uh, apparently very loved and respected and just simply shot to death in its own little car business. From my perspective, once I covered uh, the original report some five years ago, 
as with any story, you know, you just keep following up regardless of who uh, the sheriff is or the police chief, but in this case, uh, the sheriff. Uh, you just keep following up and uh, making periodic uh, phone calls. And, uh, and I've had numerous conversations uh, with the current sheriff, Terry Mears, and uh, he tells me every time uh, that, you know, they're working hard on this, doing all they can to try to solve it. Uh, as well as the previous sheriff. Uh, it, apparently, this is a very tough case uh, to crack. There were no witnesses that I'm aware of. Uh, happened on a, in a very small town, and here we are five years later, and we still don't have a resolution. I can't imagine what the family is going through with no closure. I was going to ask you, I know the angle to your story last time was a change in leadership in the sheriff's department, and you had kind of said that, uh, talk a little about what he told you on that front as far as kind of what they're doing differently to financers in this case. With the change of leadership, you know, Terry Mears uh, publicly said that uh, he was going to do all he can to try to uh, solve this case. And I have no doubt that he's working very diligently to do just that five years after the fact. And, and who knows, it might be another five years or it could be solved uh, tomorrow. I do think it's important to bring out, though, uh, to point out that it's not just the sheriff's department investigating, but based on my memory, SBI is involved. This isn't just a uh, one-trick pony show going on in, in terms of the investigative side. And, uh, and I'm confident you know, they're doing all they can to turn every stone to try to get to the bottom of who did this. Uh, Brian, I, I, as you know, I came from Montgomery Police Department. That's correct. We yeah. have a number of uh, homicides, and we have the county to come in every once in a while or when they're close by and they'll assist in working the scene or working the area. Tell me the difference between working with a smaller community uh, such as Crenshaw versus a large metropolitan city like Montgomery. Well, in most of your smaller uh, jurisdictions, you know, whether it be a sheriff's department or a police department, they typically, through no fault of their own, uh, and certainly no, not a lack of know-how, uh, they simply just do not have the resources or the manpower to commit and solving some of these uh, big cases. I cannot tell you how many homicides that I've covered over the years just in the Montgomery market in the last 20, 25 or 26 years, in which you had a much smaller department with limited budget, with a limited budget in which they had to reach out uh, to the state, request uh, not only additional help, but frankly, just to ask SBI to simply take over. This is not unusual. That's just the way it is sometimes with these uh, smaller departments, and they're somewhat hamstrung with a limited budget and manpower, and they do the best they can uh, under the circumstances. So in that sense, would you say it'd be safe to say that had this murder occurred in maybe a larger city, it would have been solved by now or maybe would have been solved sooner? Well, now that's a possibility. The more resources you have, the more uh, investigators you have on staff, if you will, there is a distinct uh, possibility that this case could have been solved, you know, if not within one week, perhaps in 72 hours. But that's not always the case. Much of that depends on the experience of these investigators. How much experience do they have probing the intricacies uh, on a homicide? One of the first rule of thumb, uh, I would think, is not to disturb the crime scene. Uh, that includes the evidence, uh, some evidence that's perhaps not quite so obvious. In theory, yes, uh, if this had been committed in Montgomery or 
uh, Birmingham, Mobile, or Huntsville, you know, some of the larger areas, I think it's fair to say that this could have been uh, potentially solved within one week. But just because a, a department is much bigger than, say, Rutledge uh, in Crenshaw County, there are no guarantees. There are many cold cases out there. And despite heroic efforts by detectives, they're just not quite there yet. So uh, a lot of this is, I wouldn't say the luck of the draw by, by any stretch, but it depends on uh, when these homicides happen. Are there any witnesses uh, at the time of the day? In this case, uh, Earl Cosby passed away, passed away in a very small shed-like building. In fact, it's no bigger than maybe a small shed uh, that, that, you, that you would likely find in the backyard that apparently happened inside on a rural road, a rural city or town, rather. Not sure if anybody heard the shot and whoever did it just up until now have so far have made a clean getaway. I think uh, you and Ashley bring up a good point as far as the difference between a, a metropolitan city police department and a a small town uh, police department or sheriff's department. I don't think it's because of the area or the amount of resources. Sometimes it's the community that plays a significant factor as far as That's right. crime is uh, solved. If you don't have anyone coming forward that knows something, no matter where it occurs, you're still not going to solve that case. It's not like CSI that we watch on television where they solve it within the first hour because of some type of new gadget or some type of equipment. A lot of times, uh, mainly a majority of the time, it depends on who can come and testify and say that, yes, I believe that this person did it because of the evidence or because he told me or he had the smoking gun. That's a very good point, Tony. Uh, if I could just bring the audience, uh, remind them of what happened just a week and a half ago in Selma. Terrible situation with the uh, Selma police officer shot and killed uh, while he was on duty. He just happened to go to his apartment to grab a quick bite to eat. He was uh, shot to death. Uh, the city leaders made it very clear that after uh, the suspect had been arrested, that the community played a significant role. And I covered that news conference. Mayor James Perkins over in Selma uh, really made it a point to say that the community uh, witnesses, they stepped up to the plate and made this uh, arrest. Now, granted, we all know that in this case, this young man is innocent uh, in, the, in the eyes of the law until proven otherwise. But that's, uh, that's for the court to decide. Mm -hmm. uh, but the point is the community can play a significant role in helping investigators, uh, and I wish that we would see more of that. Brian, um, one question I wanted to ask you about the Earl Cosby case. I know you've been doing this longer than I have, and I know you cover stories similar to this. What about that case stood out to you as far as the significance of it or just a, a part of the case that, that you will forever remember from it? You know, this is obviously a case that uh, hasn't been resolved. And, uh, and and I will say this, and I, and I want to say this, this is in no way an indictment against uh, authorities involved, because I know they're, very, they're working very hard uh, to try to crack this. I have to say, though, in my years in journalism, I'm, I'm a little surprised that uh, there hasn't been a, a resolution, especially, you know, five years after, after the fact. Frankly, I'm not sure if I'm the only one uh, who believes that. I'd uh, I think Sheriff Mears might be the first to tell you that he thought perhaps by now it would be uh, solved or at least an arrest. But I, I think the thing that we have to keep in mind, though, Tony, please correct me now, but there, there is no statute of limitation 
on murder. And, uh, uh, you know, it may be 25 years from now uh, before this thing is is, uh, resolved. And and really, you know, the person who did this, for all we know, may be deceased. You never know. That's what's strange about these uh, uh, some of these homicide cases, because there are so many moving parts. Uh, so many different directions and and which uh, this could go you know we don't know if this was a young person a middle-aged a old person or uh, what have you but I, I will say that it, it just seems a little i know it's frustrating uh, there's no question about that it's frustrating not only for family members law enforcement it seems as though uh, we're not any closer today than we were five years ago uh, when this happened now granted obviously i don't i'm not privy to any sort of investigative matters uh, going on behind the scenes. But at the end of the day, in the final analysis, uh, no one has been arrested. And I know that the family have been waiting quite patiently uh, for some new development. Uh, Brian, I appreciate your time. Hopefully with us putting it back out there, maybe someone will come forth and the police will be able to make an arrest on it. And I would say this, Tony, I think Crime Stoppers has done a phenomenal job uh, over the years, helping police uh, of all departments, you know, with the uh, award money and all that. But the one thing we didn't talk about, sometimes the human conscience can play a role. If, if that person, we'll take uh, Earl Cosby case, if that person who did this, you never know. He One day he may wake up and just sort of have that conviction of his conscience and simply come forward and turn him, turn him or herself in. Now, that's always a possibility. And and there's always days in which uh, they talk too much. You know, they confide uh, something into someone, and that person will feel the spirit move, if you will, to go to authorities and say, hey, this is what happened, this is who did it, why, and what have you. I would just say, as long as uh, there is breath, there is hope. So I don't think anyone should lose any hope that this will never be resolved. Did we all think it would take five years? Probably not, but it may be another five years. But uh, I do believe that there will come a day when this will be resolved. Uh, Appreciate you saying so, Brian. Uh, Thank you for your time. Thanks, Brian. All right. I think what's been interesting, at least for me, or kind of eye-opening with this, is the angle of the cooperation it takes between law enforcement, city officials, family, and the community to get crime solved. It's not just one or the other. Seeing the smaller uh, communities come together to actually solve crime and fight crime. So the public needs to know and they need to know how their law enforcement works, how they band together, just so they can go ahead and have a better understanding so they can support their law enforcement. Because the, one of the things that they want, a resident, a, a person that lives in a smaller community, they want to know that their uh, law enforcement is working on their behalf. The purpose of Crime Stoppers, so often it's people who saw something that day or heard something maybe that knows some information that if they just shared it and if they came forward could potentially be what solves this case. Yes, that's a good closing for what we've been talking about. Uh, This is an unsolved case and we need someone to come forward with some information to help bring someone to justice. Uh, This family is grieving. The law enforcement is working hard to try to solve this case. We just need someone that knows something about this case to call 215-STOP. If people have information, they can come forward anonymously. If you don't call 911, you can call 215-STOP, or you can go to our internet site, and you can just hit submit a tip, or you can download our app, which is P3Tips, T-I-P-S, 
and you can text with law enforcement investigators. You can upload video, photos. If you're talking about a Facebook page or an internet site, you can upload that to the app and the investigator will get it nine minutes uh, from when you send it to us. So there are a lot of ways that you can contact Central Alabama Crime Stoppers, but we just want you to contact someone if you're holding on to information. All right. Well, thanks for joining us for the Crime Stoppers podcast. I'm Ashley Bowerman. And I'm Tony Garrett. See something, say Say something. something. Thank you for listening to Central Alabama Crime Stoppers podcast. We are a nonprofit organization serving the state of Alabama. If you have any information regarding a crime, please contact the police or Crime Stoppers using our anonymous 24-hour tip line at 215-STOP, area code 334, by downloading our P3 Tips app from your app store. When you call, be sure to receive a tip ID and password in order to dialogue with investigators in case there is a follow-up question. You can also contact us at our toll-free number at 1-833-AL1-STOP or visit our website at 215stop.com and follow us on Facebook at Central Alabama Crime Stoppers. Always remember, if you see something, say something. And hey, yo, Nick, run it back.